1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we have news. We have big news. The biggest news that we've ever had on this podcast, maybe the biggest news of either of our lives or of all time, potentially. You You're retiring? You? <laughs> no. Oh, uh, okay. No, not retiring, unfortunately for the people. They, they probably wish I was retiring by now, but no, I'm not. That would be pretty
0: big news, though. I mean, in my defense. I that suppose. would be huge news.
1: I suppose. Yeah, yeah you could finally get uh, Cam to come on here and co-host the podcast with you instead. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, Mike, we have even bigger news than that, and it is the NCAA football game is coming back to video game systems near you.
0: Fire it I up, mean, baby. Just gigantic. I mean, it's just gigantic news. Seriously. Enormous. Like, are you I are you still have- wearing out NCAA 14 I was going to say, I still have my PlayStation 3 with NCAA 14. I, I got a PlayStation 5 for Christmas, and I still have my PlayStation 3 because I feel the need to still play the NCAA 14 video game. Yep. So, I, look, it's not going to happen overnight, obviously. Like, they're at the beginning stages of it, but maybe in the next year or two, we'll, we'll have something. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's going to be really exciting to, to see... What happens there I mean I think the the concern not to throw water on it but I think the concern is that this game will be a lot like Madden Mm -hmm. instead of a lot like the old NCAA video games which were unique and different and honestly a lot more fun but back in 2014 Madden was a lot more fun than it is right now so (laughs) I mean I I hope that There is a uniqueness to it for EA. I think it's important to EA, obviously, to produce a really good college football video game because it made them a lot of money historically. And, you know, they had to stop making it for circumstances kind of beyond their control, quite honestly, um, which is unfortunate for them. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a big deal. I'll obviously be purchasing it as soon as it comes out. I'll be playing an absurd amount of hours on it and with it, the podcast will undoubtedly be harmed by this Mm -hmm. development, or it might not be. Maybe we'll have an idea of how to incorporate the video game into this podcast a little bit. Who knows? I mean, we're going to have a little while before any of that's determined, but I'm really excited about it.
1: Get a little listener league going, maybe? I don't
0: know. Who's to say? Uh, Who's to say? Look at that. We already came up with an idea. Joey didn't run that by me beforehand. (laughs) Look at that.
1: Yeah, a little bit of freelancing done on this show. If you uh, haven't, if you haven't figured that yes. out by now, um, a lot. Yeah, Mike. I my wife has asked me a number of times, like that that Xbox 360 that you bought in college for like a hundred bucks off eBay when your last one crapped out. Why do we still have that in our house? And the answer is NCAA football 14. And she said, Well, what yep. are we going to get rid of it? And the answer is whenever they come out with a new game. So, yep. So one day soon that Xbox will be able to rest easy somewhere um as we will be playing on next gen systems. Um so that's that's kind of cool. And as you said, so I mean that's faster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you said, I mean it's gonna take a couple of years probably to develop this. Um very unlikely that we see anything before like next summer at at the earliest. Um and from what I've of what I've heard, I I have not been the biggest like Madden player. I never really was. Um but between that and FIFA, from what I understand, I mean, there is a, a pretty massive amount of importance put on like their quote-unquote ultimate team, um, which is kind of a, a venue for EA to in, incorporate uh, microtransactions, you know, just Red. pay $2 for this player, $1 for that player, you know, $1 for this uniform set, whatever, which that, that's the kind of stuff that I'd really like to not see. In yeah. NCAA football, the video game.
0: Yep. Don't make it a giant corporate conglomerate transaction-based video game. That right. would suck. Yep. Yeah,
1: and and the other thing is that I feel like you have to handle a college sports game from a like just from like a roster mechanics standpoint differently than a pro sports game because think about it, Mike, like typically what you're doing as you are running your dynasty in NCAA football is you're having to recruit players constantly. You know, you're, you're constantly having to, to refill your roster from players graduating. Like you don't sign eight year contracts and, and, you know, not have to deal with it for a while. Like you, you know, you, you have to be able to consistently churn players. And so the, the whole, like, Microtransaction thing and just some of those mechanics again, they just don't really make sense in the context of a college sports game, in my mind. So that's where I'm really hopeful that they'll be able to avoid some of that nonsense within this game.
0: I agree. Now, let's talk about things we want to see here, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's not much I don't want to see, but there's a lot that I do want to see in this game, yeah. Right? I mean. Let's take the the next-gen graphics aside because the graphics will be unreal. I mean, they'll be ridiculous. We don't need to really harp on that too much. It's been a long time since a college football video game has been made. By the time it comes out, in all likelihood, it would have been about 10 years or almost 10 years since a college football video game came out because it's safe to say it's probably going to take another year or two, probably two years for the college football video game to come out. If that's the case, we're talking like 2023. potentially that bad hopefully boy in
1: sooner. 4K baby.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, hopefully it comes out sooner than that, right? But um if it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh but in any case, it will have been almost a decade. So, the graphics will be great. What I want to see and what I think is a really big deal is and they had this in the in the old games and they kind of got away from it a little bit. I want the stadium to be alive, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want the crowd interaction. I want some stadiums to be a lot louder than others to reflect kind of what it's like in real life. Like I don't want to go if if I'm Virginia Tech and I'm playing at Lane Stadium. I'm going to use Lane Stadium as an example because it's one of the last stadiums in the country, right? So let's talk about Lane Stadium. Yep. Compared to like going to Durham and playing at Duke. Right? Like you're not going into Wallace Wade and on the road as, as an opposing team And your quarterback's not going to be necessarily rattled to play there. Sorry, Duke fans. In front of a packed house, yeah. Right. (laughs) Now, Cameron Indoor is a different story. But Mm -hmm. on the football field, we can all agree that it's not the same as going to Lane or going to Death Valley. So I don't want the video game to have all stadiums created equal. And they used to have a feature in the game where, like, as your program continued to develop, you know, the crowd size got bigger and the stadium got louder. I, I agree with that. Like, if you're turning Duke into... I mean, look at North Carolina. North Carolina is a good example under Mac Brown. North Carolina couldn't sell out games worth anything. Now that Mac Brown's there, that stadium, for as small as it is, it's alive and loud and it's, Excited. it's a different atmosphere. Yeah. And I, I would like that. And, and then the co- the element of the college bands playing, like, more than just the fight song. playing. And, and they had that in the old game, too. Like, you go to Ohio State and they'd have, like, several of ohio state's more popular songs that they play with the band Mm -hmm. or oklahoma when you get a first down right like they had that in the old game i want more of that that's a lot of detail i understand that's a big undertaking and you got to negotiate that with schools and stuff like that i want to see it it's got to be as realistic as possible from that regard Where you are going into a college football stadium and you know what you're getting from from the home crowd and the home band and that sort of thing, like it's all I about, think you absolutely need that. It's all
1: about pageantry, right? Like, and that's part right. of what a lot of people really love about college football is all the uniqueness. Like, every team has their own thing. It's a, it's a lot in the same way as like you know the EPL is, right? Where right. each team has their own songs and their own traditions and and things right. that go back. You know, it, it's the difference between that and versus the NFL, which is a lot more corporate and. Lacking in a lot of those types of traditions and and those types of things, so yeah, I mean, as much of that as you can incorporate as possible would be right. fantastic.
0: Show Clemson's show Clemson's players getting dressed across the street, riding around on the bus, and rubbing the rock before they run into the stadium. Show sure. that. Show show Notre Dame's players coming out of the locker room, hitting the play like a champion today. Sign. Yep. You know, yep. show show like, and this would be a little bit difficult because Enter Sandman isn't owned. <laughs> Uh, music piece from Metallica. license
1: enter but, Sandman. But
0: license enter Sandman. Like, do that sort of stuff, right? Like, that's what college football fans want to see. I just used a, a few prominent ACC and pseudo ACC, yeah, with Notre Dame examples. Like, show that.
1: Yep. I and and honestly, it's kind of funny because you mentioned all the stadium stuff and and you know the liveliness of that, and it kind of got me thinking. What well, would be really cool? And I, I don't know if this is something you can incorporate in the first edition of the game when it comes back, but maybe something to shoot for over time is like one of the things that's really changed in college football over the last decade is the degree to which it is this arms race, right? Like of right. doing different locker room upgrades and stadium upgrades and, you know, cool uniforms and TV deals and all this stuff. Like if there was like a, a BVAD mode, you yeah. know where you know you, you weren't really playing the games but you you know it was kind of like a, a be the gm mode almost but yeah you could do stadium upgrades you would hire and fire coaches you would you know there was some some element of fundraising like yeah like i don't know that i would necessarily kill a whole bunch of hours doing that at any given time but right. at least conceptually it seems cool to me i don't know
0: yeah i mean treat it like a business because it is a business whether people want to admit or not and that's a big element of this too joey like the name image likeness stuff that's probably going to be passed in the next couple of years that's going to be a big part of this too yep um now i don't know how much of it is really going to impact the overall development of the game i think they're going to be able to do a lot of that without name image likeness passed um because from what i understand they have a number of they they have over a hundred schools, I guess, with you know, using a group licensing comp <clears throat> excuse me, apparel company that they were able to strike a deal with. Now there are some prominent teams who aren't part of that group licensing deal, but I know they mentioned Georgia as one. Right. But, you know, they're all going to be in the game. Right. This is going to become really important for college football, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I just every school every power five and group of five school the entire fps will be in this will be in this video game like yeah. they're I, not going to let the, those hoops not be jumped through they'll figure it out
1: alex kirchner made a great point i thought of you cannot find a school out there whose coach is going to want any part of answering the question hey coach if i come to your school that school's not in the video game but if i go to this other school it is like just at that basic simple level, like this is a little bit of a marketing tool and yep. it's one of those things where necessarily like being in the game might not necessarily help you not being in the game very much can and will hurt you kind of, thing. right? So it's, it's, it's kind of like what I talked about years ago with Georgia tech and Russell athletic. It's like having Nike, Adidas or under armor doesn't really help you having Russell athletic does hurt you. Yes. <laughs> you know. Right. So keep it, keep that in mind that way. Um, The other thing I thought would be kind of cool is, you know, kind of revamping the way that recruiting is done. Um, You know, you could go really far and and just get completely and out with it with – you know, yeah. Let me commit recruiting violations, and you know, just test my luck there, and yeah, and all that. You know, but that would be awesome. Yeah, but even just the idea of like, hey, kid, a, kid A is committed to school B, and I want to keep keep recruiting him and try to flip him or something like that. You know, right. that, having that kind of mechanic or element in the game would be kind of cool. I think um,
0: verbal versus signed. You know, like mm-hmm. make a big deal, like as they as they used to when it was just like the early February signing day. It's a little bit different now with early signing day, but. I remember like watching ESPNU like back in the day when there was only one signing day Mm -hmm. and how big of a deal that was. Right. They would go through all these schools and all these recruits, like make it almost like you do. in like the NBA games, like NBA draft day or like the NFL draft in Madden, like make signing day, a huge deal, make both signing days, a big deal. Right. Like your ability to bring players in and addressing, like bring in elements. And I don't know how feasible this is because I don't know how much of the ins and outs of it are, you know, owned by 2k, but I know for like the NBA 2k games, like you address the media, you talk to the media, like have an element of that with this game with like your coaches or, you know, your athletic director. If you have to hire or fire a coach, like there's so much you can put into it. Yep. For, like that's, that's unique to college football. That wasn't in the old games because you just couldn't do that. And now with like the next gen technology, it's so easy to do that stuff now. Right. Um, re- relatively speak. I know it's difficult, but relatively speaking, it's, it's easier now than it was ten years ago to do that sort of thing.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. The other thing, from a gameplay mechanic standpoint, that that would probably need to be included is the RPO. I mean, that's something that's oh, really yeah. hit it big since that since the last version of the game came out. Yeah. You know, as as much as I can destroy computer defenses at this point with the read option, like every which way, right? I could really, really destroy them with the RPO. That would be a lot yeah. of fun.
0: And they incorporated it in Madden, too, which, you know, if you're seeing it at that level, like, you play with the Chiefs because the Chiefs do a lot of that with the homes. Mm-hmm. Like, you can incorporate that into the college game. So, I think they'll definitely be in there. Um, yep. Make <laughs> Oh, this is another thing. This is, like, a pet peeve of mine for the old game. Like, they would have just the same three penalties called all the time. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a more granular level of detail. But, like, have other penalties called rather than just, like, clipping – holding because they wouldn't even call it blocking in the back they'd call it clipping. Yeah. Clipping, holding and encroachment. Like can we have like more than 3 penalties like a, a face mask here or there like Yeah. I mean I would want to throw my you know I'd want to throw my controller through the screen but like have that be a bit more I don't know specific. <laughs> When's the last
1: time, Mike, you were watching, like, an ACC game in real life on ESPN and you saw a referee call clipping? Right.
0: Like, yeah, but the video, ge- the last time I saw it was on the video game. Like, they yeah. don't do that. In real- like, they're calling it a block in the back. They're not calling it clipping. Like, sure. make it more realistic, please. Yeah, chop blocks
1: um, and not illegal right. block below the waist or-, or whatever, you know. Right. All sorts of things. Yeah. Please don't put targeting in the game. Oh, my God. <laughs> You want to talk about me losing my damn mind and throwing the oh, controller or throw a couple of my do defensive it. players out of the game. Or for, do it. Yeah, video game targeting. Yeah, I don't know. Or do it. Hopefully the
0: targeting rules are changed by the time the game comes out so the guys aren't just like willy-nilly, <laughs> obje- you know, ejected from the game <laughs> for like an objective call. Like a, a, I'm sorry, a subjective call. It's not even necessarily so black and white all the time. It's always just like... Yeah, I could see that why he had to make that tackle the way that he did. It's okay. You don't get to play the rest of this game or the first half next week. It's like why?
1: Give but, me give me some downside to my entire secondary being made out of Ed Reed. Like right. <laughs> maybe, maybe give me some
0: downside to that. Make recruiting harder. Sure. Don't make recruiting so easy. Like recruiting I mean, don't make it impossible, but recruiting in the old game, like you got to the point where it was just like so easy to recruit at two lane Mm
1: -hmm. and maybe
0: like bake it into what you were saying with like kind of like the gm level stuff like with the ad like having to upgrade facilities and stuff like that like have that directly impact your recruiting right so like Mm -hmm. your recruiting might not be so good right now it's only so impacted by how well you do on the field like if i go 11 and one at two lane um, you're obviously going to get a better caliber of player, but it's not just going to be that. It's going to be your facilities. It's going to be your stadium upgrade. It's going to be, like, maybe you mix it in and intertwine it somehow. But, like, I remember, like, in the old games, you would be playing with a small group of five school, Texas State, um, North Texas, whatever. Like, you'd be playing with a small school, and, like, Mexico. within three years, you have it turned around, then you have, like, a top-five recruiting class at, like, Syracuse. It's like, that's never going to happen. Yeah. With, with the current state now directly tie it to improving the facilities and stuff like that and then it would be more realistic like if Syracuse ever got like an incredible stadium and like unreal facilities like maybe their football program would be better right like mm-hmm. tie it to that somehow I don't know yeah,
1: yeah the only thing that's that, that I've noticed in that game is so for instance like I've won 11 of the last 12 national titles with Georgia Tech of course but like right the as you go it's like well this conference has won all those national titles so now like you know a rising tide lifts all boats and all of a sudden more and more ACC teams are getting ranked like so there's that element to it which is kind of interesting but right but yeah um yeah a lot of cool things I think we could uh, incorporate into that game if uh if anybody's Listening to this and wants our input, you know, I'd be more than happy to uh, go sit in your office for a week and help design the thing out. But
0: oh my god, I have so many ideas. I don't (laughs) I don't know the first thing about video game development or anything like that. But I could give you ideas. Yeah, I give you ideas all day on this.
1: Yeah, I know effectively nothing. the The one thing that is going to be interesting to watch, Mike, and and you mentioned and kind of alluded to this is the name, image, and likeness aspect. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that was kind of the downfall of the game several years ago, right? Was it, it became that whole uh oh, what was it was the o'bannon The the o'bannon lawsuit yeah um you know using those likenesses and and getting dangerously close to kind of mimicking exactly what you know those players looked like and should the players be getting a cut and all this stuff um and and i don't know i i figure there's a, a pretty well-defined line there of you know how much how much you can kind of you know mock that likeness without really getting yourself in danger, like, if I just have a whole bunch of players that are randomly generated appearance and numbers and all that stuff, but the skill set kind of matches yep. what they have, like, is that good enough? You know, I don't know, but but by the time the game's coming out also, there's probably this element of, you know, players have the ability to use and monetize their name, image, and likeness, and right. for most of them, and by most of them, I mean like 98% of them, I would imagine that... They're more than happy giving away their name, image, and likeness to this game for a copy of the game. Right. Like they just want a copy of the game to be able to play as themselves and as their team and, and win national titles in the same way that you and I do. Right. And they would accept a copy of the game as compensation, you know. But maybe, you know, you got cover athlete or you've got others that, that are going to make, you know, a few hundred, few thousand, tens of thousands of dollars off of it. But right. those have got to be few and far between, probably the exceptions.
0: And that's been the heart of the issue with name image likeness all along is that you're going to have a handful of players that are really, really good at what they do getting an impro- in proportionate amount of money, right? Like yeah. Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or uh, Devonte Smith or Mac Jones. Like you're going to have like the star power receiving all sorts of money, you know, for their name image and likeness. Whereas you're not necessarily going to have that for a three star on Virginia tech's roster or, you know, a two star at Duke. So how do you account for that? That that's one of the many issues with with it and why it's been so hard to kind of come to a agreement with. But you know, there's going to be uh, there's going to be some movement on that soon, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and it's it's A the enabling of these athletes to, you know, use their name, image and likeness and, and monetize that. But B, there's also this element of like Okay, we've given all the athletes the ability to do this, but there's still no like unifying body. There's no union. There's no there's no unity that we can say. Okay, all of us as players, all at once, give over our name, image, and likeness. You know, like right. so that's the other kind of aspect that has to be sorted out. You know, beyond just the legislation of yes, you can use it. So, right. Um, that's that's a bigger issue that's kind of facing. College sports right now, and, and as as you've mentioned, and as we've mentioned, is is probably going to be sorted out one way or the other here in the next couple of years. So, who's to say exactly how that'll result in the game? You know, being able to be shipped, but it would definitely be a thing. I would think that even if they, you know, you can have a version of the game put together with with no name, image, and likeness ability. But that's also the kind of thing that I think you could really easily have built out and ready to just plug in at, at a moment's notice if right. if that becomes available. So, agree. You know, hopefully not the biggest sticking point for uh, for anyone involved. But
0: it's not going to be a sticking point, Joey, for the actual play, the, like the people playing the game, because we have folks now who are making the rosters as realistic as possible. So yep, that's yep. going to continue to be done. Like if name, image, likeness isn't passed, like you're not going to have to play with. You know some pseudonym quarterback that doesn't look like the actual quarterback for name that school yep. right yep. um so I'll, I'll leave that part there because i want to get start getting dicey with like races and stuff like that <laughs> But my, my point is you're going to be able to actually play with guys who are the actual players one way or another it's just going to be whether or not these guys are going to get compensated for it
1: yep yep exactly so all I know the game is coming back I'm excited you're excited hopefully everyone listening is excited uh, Write in let us know what, what what kind of things you want to see in the game what are you nervous about yeah you know, are you excited to see this um, you know, tell us your thoughts basketball conference podcast yep. at gmail.com or you know at Mike McDaniel VT at FTRS Joey at B- BC podcast ACC on uh, on Twitter on Twitter yep Mike let's talk about home field apparel for a second yep it is the internet's leading Producer, provider of officially licensed, comfortable, durable, great-looking vintage apparel coming fr- from a lot of schools around the ACC. I love my home field apparel. How about you?
0: I was going to say, as a guy who has purchased home field apparel and is, a, I like to consider myself a designee of the company You mm-hmm. know, doing this podcast, right? I, I feel like we have earned that role at this point. You should not be buying your collegiate apparel from anywhere other than home field. I yep. mean, home field yep. is all over everywhere right now. We've been fortunate enough to get in with them, you know, middle of last fall, which was awesome. Right in the middle of football season, they were pumping out, you know, their big new Saturday series and dropping all these new shirts and sweatshirts. Now they're dropping sweatpants for UConn, which is hysterical. Joggers. I mean, they got joggers. I mean, they got clothes everywhere for a lot of schools. New schools are being dropped, it feels like every week. Um, They are going to take over the college apparel space. Um, They they are doing unbelievable work. They're great people. It's awesome that we were able to get in and and partner with them. They were real receptive. I mean, we had a a good talk with them on our initial kickoff call. It lasted like 25, 30 minutes. And just like that, we had a sponsor. Um, They were awesome. And it doesn't extend to just us and everything that you guys buy from Home Field Apparel with this promo code not only helps us, but it helps them. They're awesome people. We want to make sure they sell as much as they can and make as much money as they can because they've been so good to us. So Joey, what promo code do they use to check out?
1: Uh, that would be GoACC. Use that promo at checkout. Right. 20% off your first order. And by the way, Mike, I've, I've found, we keep saying that they use that promo code to get that deal on their first order. And you might be thinking, well, if I've got another order after that, then I'm just paying full price. Which, a yes, that's not a bad thing though. Really good, really good quality stuff. You're gonna want more after you make your first order. But right. second of all, you will get a notification asking for a review of the products that you uh, that you purchase and, and start wearing. And if you give mm-hmm. that review, mm-hmm. I hear there's another little discount coming your way as well. So you get another promo code. It's it's something that they they uh, want to keep your business, and you're gonna want to keep giving it to them.
0: Yeah. So do the promo code for us. Right. So that we get credit and then do a promo code for yourself, too. So you get another nice little discount. So it's not just how can I help Joey and Mike make money today? It's how can I make sure that I'm not spending too much on this awesome new college apparel? And it's worth it. I mean, if you haven't gotten any of these you know, clothing items yet from them, you're missing out. You, yep. you really yep. are missing out. And like Joey said, most ACC schools are on there at this point. Um, most schools across the FBS are on there at this point. They're working really hard to make sure that all schools are represented. I know that's their goal. You know, for some schools, it's easier than others.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Right? Um, cough, cough.
1: Could tell you something about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So anyway, go check out homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code GOACC at checkout. Like Joey mentioned, 20% off your first order.
1: Yep. T-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, crew necks, all sorts of things. And, and as you doggers? mentioned, like, even the, yeah, the occasional pair of doggers. Um, doggers. You know. Those things are are all available there. So once again, homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code GOACC at checkout for 20% off your first order. Really appreciate their support. Really appreciate your support. Thanks to everybody. Mike, let's move on. We got something else we wanted to talk about here on this show. Uh, we, We just, you know, we record this the morning of Thursday, February the 4th. We are hours removed from the end of the official National Signing Day. Did you remember that? Did you notice that?
0: I did notice it. I didn't pay a ton of attention to it yesterday um because virginia tech had most of their class already signed from early signing day there were a couple guys they added yesterday yep um who had already been announced in the early signing day they just like officially signed yesterday so it wasn't really made to be that big of a deal so yeah yeah, yeah. i was aware but it's it's one of those things uh that actually we were just talking about in terms of the video game with signing day like Early February no longer feels as big of a you know, like college football national holiday as it used to be because yes. you now sign a couple different times a year.
1: Yep, yeah, and well, in the first time is still kind of kind of in the middle of the season. You know, we're kind of in that soft spot between conference championships and bowl games. Yep, where it's it kind of gets caught up a little bit. But yeah, like same way. I mean, Georgia Tech I didn't sign anybody yesterday. I think everybody was already signed back in December and and all that. So. Um, definitely not the uh, the luster in February that uh, that we used to have but if if nothing else you know most everybody that's going to sign is now signed and so now is a good time Mike I think to sit back and kind of talk about recruiting within the ACC to the degree that we can We, we we'll give this disclaimer to start out you and I do not follow recruiting at a national level like almost at all um right. c- certainly not at a very detailed granular level like we can't really speak to individual players and these guys you know this guy does this that guy is good at that like I I, I can't do that I don't think you can either
0: nope I'm not Bud Elliot not gonna pretend to be yeah
1: <laughs> let's just be very honest with everybody so what we do want to talk about is talk about kind of how the ACC finished at a high level uh relevant to you know itself as well as kind of on the national stage um and so I want to start out, Mike, and, and kind of give two other disclaimers, particularly surrounding this year's recruiting. One of them is something that we've been talking about you know, loosely on this show at times for almost a year now. And it's basically the idea that any sort of rankings, ratings of these players, of these teams, probably needs to be taken with a pretty significant grain of salt this year more than any other in recent memory. Because yep. we're in a pandemic, <laughs> like. And, and one of the side effects, many, many side effects of that pandemic is that the evaluation of these players has been completely, completely thrown out of whack from what it normally would be.
0: No high school seasons for some, um, no off-season camps for most, Yep. Um, if not all. <laughs> um, really difficult to evaluate kids, Joey. Makes it really hard. There are a lot of players across the country, I don't care how you were ranked, um, five-star to one star, no star, whatever. Yeah. Um, I yeah. care how you were ranked, like you were impacted by this in some way. If you were trying to play college football at the division one, FBS level.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's at the
0: FCS level, I'm sure.
1: And it's not just, you know, it's definitely how, how these sites are evaluating kids, but it's also kind of how the schools are evaluating kids. Like, Absolutely. You know, everybody involved, the, the ability to evaluate was significantly diminished and and altered from what it normally would be. So from that standpoint, a, take this all with a grain of salt. Right. B, the other thing to consider and to take with a grain of salt is what a uh, what a massive piece of all this is becoming surrounding the transfer. Words are hard here, Mike. It's okay. Transfer portals starting to play a big role in all this. Um, it is, but it is not being factored into the rankings, and that's that's it's something not. that you know in the next year or two, you figure these recruiting services are going to have to in- incorporate somehow. Yeah. Because I mean, you can look at like Florida State, right? Like they finished fourth in the ACC. That's great. Then you look at it and you're like, "Well, how do they only have 17 commitments?" Well, they had eight transfers that right. came in as well, and those count as new scholarship players the same way that high school kids do. Right. So, so that's not really accounted for in these rankings, and that's that's got to be considered. So, a couple of big disclaimers, you know, before we get into this, and I, I don't want to hit on any you know players at a, at a granular level, but um, Let's kind of go through this a little bit and talk about how this all went. You know, obviously, number one in the ACC, and I believe number four nationally, number five nationally, the Clemson Tigers, of course. Uh, Right. You know, looking at the 24-7 composite, three five-stars, 14 four-stars, the rich get richer, nothing new to see here.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to get into individual players, really, but they signed one of the best all-purpose running backs in the country, Will Shipley, as part of this class, which I mean... He's got like a ninety-eight point four ranking on uh, on twenty-four-seven, so mm-hmm. that gives you an idea of kind of what they're dealing with. And they got multiple different types of players like that, as you'd expect out of a national championship, perennial, really good program. So
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and they're they're very much becoming a national recruiting brand as well. I mean, they had nineteen commitments, and one of them came from South Carolina.
0: Yeah and 17 of those 19 were four stars or higher.
1: Right. (laughs) So, right. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what Clemson is at this point. I don't see anybody catching them for a good while. Right. Uh, number two, Miami came in at number 12 nationally. So good year for Manny Diaz and their crew had a, a pair of five star kids that were both top 15 nationally. I believe, uh, from South Florida, they were able to keep those guys home, uh, really strong recruiting class here yet again from Miami. Like, Talent continues to not be an issue for that team.
0: Yeah, and they take four, a four-spot jump. I mean, we talk about it being a year where it's hard to evaluate talent. Um, Miami improves on their recruiting ranking from last year, going from 16th to 12th nationally. Uh, recruiting's never been a problem for the Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it won't be as long as Manny Diaz is there. That's not his problem. We've never accused him of not being able to recruit. We know he can do that he proved it as an assistant. He's going to recruit well. Miami's an easy school to recruit to because of where they're located and the facilities they have and the brand itself. It's a very easy brand to recruit to. It's never been Miami's problem.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, looking at, at where these kids came from, right? Like 21 commitments, eight of them, 18 of them from Florida. And right. not not just from Florida, but I'll go go down here. Uh, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, 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 Hollywood, which is also in that South Florida area. Right. Melbourne, Miami, Pompano Beach. Like they didn't even go very far out of their own backyard to get most of these guys, which a lot this of is, talent. Yeah. And this is kind of what we say about Miami is like this talent is right there in your backyard. Like it's there for the taking
0: easy to recruit, not only because of location, because the state is so rich with talent for yep. high school football.
1: Yep, Absolutely. Number three, the North Carolina Tar Heels, uh, coming in at number fourteen nationally. Hmm. Interesting.
0: Interesting, I'll say. I about twenty I'm spots not higher than Larry, hat guy, Yeah, about
1: but... about twenty spots higher than Larry Fedora ever had him, for what that's worth.
0: Yeah, Mac Brown definitely makes that difference. <laughs> He's Such a good recruiter, Mike. He's such he a good is. recruiter. He is. He did win a national championship at Texas, so that has to that has to be why they're where they are. Um, yeah, because. I, School facilities and stuff like that never have anything to do with it. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> not trying to throw shade. Really good recruiting class, but also trying to throw a little shade.
1: Yeah. Uh, 19 commitments, 14 of them from North Carolina. So plenty, that's good. Plenty of talent to be had there in that state.
0: Yeah, that's that's uh, a recipe for success, winning your state, which I could say the same about my alum, my, uh, <laughs> my school at which I'm an alum. Whatever. Talking's hard.
1: Florida State at number four, number 22 nationally. This is a really strong first recruiting class for Mike Norvell and that that squad. They needed that.
0: Yeah, um, don't recruit like you're at Memphis when you're at Florida State. Mm -hmm. And we'll circle back to that in a moment.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And as mentioned, they also had eight transfers coming into the program from various locations. Um, Let me pull up. They were coming from places like multiple from South Carolina. You got them from UCF, Auburn. You know Georgia, several different places. So um, hopefully, a, an infusion of talent there that I don't know that necessar- they necessarily need, but again, they do need a bit of a cultural reset, if we, as we've talked about. So yeah, this um, is good on big Ford's for here.
0: culture, big for culture, Joey. And the other thing too is they haven't been recruiting at a level like Miami. Now they haven't been recruiting extremely poorly, but they haven't just been consistently like a top ten or fifteen recruiting class. Since Jimbo Fisher left, it's been a little bit more of a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Again, haven't recruited poorly, but they have not recruited up to Florida State standards historically. So this is a step in a much better direction for Mike Norvell. Really good first recruiting class. And like you mentioned, 17 commits and eight transfers. That's a way to quickly reset the culture of the program. You're not only getting your guys in the door as freshmen, but you're getting your guys in the door as transfers as well with veteran experience. That can only help.
1: Right. Yep. So hopefully that is able to uh, help write the ship a little bit with Florida State. Number five, I found this interesting: the Pittsburgh Panthers and 26th yeah. nationally. This is one of their best recruiting classes under Pat Narduzzi. Uh, really strong class, and and kind of came from all over. Six six of the 23 from Pennsylvania, but four from Florida, four from Virginia, three from Michigan. Uh, so several uh, several different areas that they were able to get some get some returns from here.
0: Yeah, and does this have any impact? on the pat narduzzi timeline if he continues to recruit at a better than anticipated level because it took him a while to get to this point now if he continues to do it do they adjust the timeline on him from a win-loss standpoint i know his buyout is pretty big it's a similar issue at pitt as it is to virginia tech except i'd argue that pittsburgh hasn't necessarily uh finished below standard to the degree that Virginia tech has. So it's a little bit different, but it's also the same with the buyout of Narduzzi. I'm curious to see now if he kind of continues to get this thing rolling from a recruiting standpoint, if you're willing to give him a little bit more time. And maybe that's a question for Jim Hammett, who covers recruiting and covers Pitt, knows a lot more about the ins and outs of the program than we do.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm going back, Mike, and again, 26th nationally. That's that's better than Pitt has had in maybe ever in the Narduzzi era. Um, I mean, last year it was 45, 55, 48, 37, 30 back in 2016. Yep. So, you know, I guess it it's partially a question for me of is this, you know, the new norm to bastardize that phrase or is it, you know, a a bit of a blip on the radar, a flash in the pan right. kind of situation?
0: Is this the ceiling?
1: Right, yeah. Um they did get this this defensive tackle from Pittsburgh, you know, so sort of from right down the street, some kid named Elliot Donald. I don't hmm. know if that you know, he seems like he could be a pretty good prospect, you know, he's a mid four-star guy and uh I don't know. Do you know anything about a kid named Donald from Pittsburgh?
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, his brother, Aaron Donald, is one of the richest men in the NFL. That Maybe. seems like
1: valuable knowledge.
0: Yeah. That seems like a relative, like a brother. Is that his brother? I would it's, assume it's his I brother, not like a brother. cousin or something like that. I, th- I think it's his younger brother, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Let's see. If I die, I die. No?
1: Uh, <laughs> I just pulled up Aaron Donald's Wikipedia page and went to uh, the, the personal life section. The first thing on here. Donald's older brother, Archie Jr., had a less successful football career.
0: <laughs> that could be said about pretty much anybody in the family, I would yeah. say. A lot yeah. of people have had a less successful football career. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah. It doesn't anyway. actually mention Elliot on there, so they might be like cousins or something like that. They yeah. might not, not actually be related, but yeah. anyways. Uh, good on Pittsburgh. Fifth in the ACC. That's a, a strong finish there in top 30 nationally.
0: Yeah. Uh, Hobie Webster, let us know, man. Yeah. Hit us up. Kobe tweets at us a lot, and he's a Pittsburgh guy. Yeah, so great class for Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, uh, Virginia sixth in the ACC, 31 overall. That's also a really strong finish for the uh, the Who's there in Charlottesville and Bronco Mendenhall in that group. Uh, did a good amount of work in Virginia, nine of their 24, but then you know five from Georgia, three from Tennessee. Um, so kind of got around a little bit there. A um, couple of, of real good linemen in this class that are uh, hopefully going to anchor that.
0: It's proof of concept with Mendenhall and his staff that they can, in fact, recruit the East Coast well, which was the question when he was hired, whether or not he could do that successfully. He can. So mm-hmm. good class.
1: Yep. Adding a trio of transfers as well from Harvard, Oklahoma State, and Louisville. Not a bad mix. It's an interesting mix, that's for sure. It is. Number seven, NC State, the Wolfpack, 34th nationally. Also a pretty good finish for them, uh, better than I think they have in recent years. So, shout out to Dave Dorn and that staff. A trio of four-star kids, two of them from North Carolina, so that's good. You know, 11 other 20 came from North Carolina, so good that they're still getting theirs in-state, even while North Carolina is, uh, you know, cleaning cleaning up a little bit, you might say. Right. Um, So, good on the uh, Wolfpack here.
0: Can they can they keep this moving forward with a better than anticipated pandemic season? That's kind of what I'm looking for now, not as much of this class, but now moving forward, can you continue to build, maybe break into the top 30 and, and be a program that starts making some headway in the Atlantic division? It's hard. Clunst is at the top. They're really hard to catch in all likelihood. You won't catch them,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: you can still put together a competitive roster and be a really good program. So. Yeah. It's a
1: good question and uh, one that, you know, we'll go ahead and spoil this a little bit. We're going to have a, uh, a a new guest, uh, not a new guest, we're going to have a guest on here in the next uh, couple of days here, Stephen Muma, our NC State guy. We're going to talk about that and this season and a lot of other things. Um, NC State in a really interesting place as a program right now that, that we probably need to be addressing kind of what comes next for them. Um, so we're, we're going to talk to him, so keep it tuned here to listen for more on that.
0: He's always entertaining.
1: Oh, yeah. Entertaining, knowledgeable, he's, he's a great guy to have on. So yep. uh, we're going to talk to him shortly. Keep it tuned. Uh, number eight in the conference, the Boston College Eagles and Jeff Hathley's first full class, 36th nationally. I mean, relative to th- all things Boston College,
0: good, pretty good. Good. Yeah, good. That's my takeaway.
1: Yeah, pretty good. couple four-star kids. Um, interesting, 26 commitments, signees, three of them from Massachusetts. And really spread and- out in a lot of ways.
0: And that's what you need to do if you want your program to be better than 7-5. and
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, being there in Massachusetts, that is not a super deep state in terms of talent. Not a hotbed. No. Um, But you get four from Virginia, three from Illinois, three from Massachusetts, three from New Jersey, which there's some pretty decent football played in New Jersey. That's a good one to reach out to and start to build a pipeline into. Right. Uh, two from Alabama, two from Georgia, two from Maryland, two from Ohio, two from tex- Texas, um, even one from California. So, yeah, spread a, spread a pretty wide net recruiting if you're from Boston College. Yep. Four transfers as well joining that program. Uh, number nine in the ACC, the Louisville Cardinals, uh, 38th nationally. Second full class under Scott Satterfield. Maybe not the best. Maybe not helped by all of your... Maybe going to South Carolina, maybe not. Maybe want to be at Louisville, maybe don't. Shenanigans. So maybe
0: going to Tennessee, maybe not. Yeah, maybe
1: maybe knock it off, Scott Satterfield. If you're trying, yeah, to, maybe
0: not do that anymore.
1: <laughs> trying to build anything from here. The thing that caught my eye, Mike, and I I could not believe this when I saw it, and I feel <laughs> Tell like about the recruiting class. There's got to be some sort of like IMG Academy like nonsense here in the numbers that are that are kind of making this kind of skewing this a little bit. Louisville signed 22 players in this class. Mike, not a single one of them from the state of Kentucky.
0: That is not a uh, – I know Kentucky, while we're on the topic of hotbeds or recruiting, like they're not exactly a hotbed of talent in right. Kentucky. Uh, always try to win your state, and Louisville that comes from not. the heart. And Louisville does not. Yeah, they do not. They're like, you know what, we're good.
1: Yeah. Uh, six of the top eight players in state go to the University of Kentucky – and then I believe there was one that went to Ohio State, and maybe one that went to like Notre Dame or something like that. But you know, it's not that you need to make the whole thing out of Kentucky, but you need to have some in Kentucky. And just really, you can go back to the Petrino era. Louisville in the last several years has not done a good job of getting you know the top ten or so players in Kentucky. Like, right? It's been years since they've gotten even one of them. Yep. I, I'm guessing that's something that was kind of broken at the end of the Petrino era. Petrino era that. You know Scott Satterfield and his staff. You know maybe have made efforts at fixing, but it seems like it's not really getting there right now. So it's not work on that. I'm a little concerned about Louisville. Yeah, I am as well. Uh, It's it's one of those things where you know if a program is kind of underachieving in recruiting, it could have something to do with the coaching staff kind of having one foot out the door, that type of thing. And I mean that's just another symptom of kind of what we saw here a month or more ago from Satterfield and that staff. So. Yeah, maybe maybe some cause for concern here over the next couple of years.
0: I can't wait to talk to Ethan Moore. It's mm-hmm. got to be a total one eighty with the fan base. It seems that way on social media. He'll probably confirm that. I cannot wait to talk to him.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty passionate fan base too, and they'll I mean they'll turn on you quick. Yep. So yeah, careful, Scott. Tenth in the ACC, Mike, and forty fifth <laughs> nationally. Your Virginia Tech Hokies, and that's a that's a recovery from last year.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, Better than 76th or wherever they were at a year ago. Um, Let me pull it up. I can tell you right now. They were 76th last year.
1: And I believe dead last in the ACC.
0: Yeah, dead last. So it's better than that, but um, we'll have to kind of see where they're at a year or two from now. Um, Tenth in the ACC isn't where this program should be.
1: They signed, I believe
0: you said, eight from the state of Virginia um, that you mentioned when we were kind of running through this off the top. Yep. That is uh, an improvement. It is not the standard. They need to do better in the state of Virginia, which is a really good football state. They've had some success around Virginia, right? They've had success in like neighboring states like Tennessee. Uh, They've actually signed some pretty good players out of Tennessee in the last couple classes. And North Carolina, they've had a lot of success in North Carolina, but that has been – uh gone really since mac brown got there so you know try to recruit your state well and make that a priority and mend those relationships because if you don't do that i don't think this is going to get any better from a recruiting standpoint for virginia tech this has really only gotten better because in my opinion they signed more guys <laughs> And it yeah. wasn't necessarily because yeah. they just did a hell of a lot better job with the staff this year now they they made some changes they made some um, hires on the staff targeted more for recruiting in that angle. I anticipate that it will get a little bit better, but that's only if the play on the field improves because a lot of people are looking this, looking at this like a lame duck situation for Justin Fuente. So, yep.
1: yeah, and that was, what I was going to say was, I mean, those hires help if they have time to help.
0: Right. Exactly. Yep.
1: So, and, and, and yes, like they signed eight from Virginia, the highest rated player in the state was the 16th best player in the state. Yep. I mean the 15 above them signed with Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Virginia, Tennessee, Ohio State, Pittsburgh, Oklahoma, Virginia, Florida State, Pittsburgh, Coastal Carolina, Pittsburgh, Toledo and Virginia. Like Yep. So not only are you you losing some of those in-state recruiting battles, like sure you're losing a couple of them to the superpowers of the sport, but you're also you're A you're losing him to Virginia and B you're losing him to other other ACC teams. Like that's Can't not happen.
0: good. Uh, yeah, just when you're losing these battles to teams in the coastal specifically, I mean, forget about just the broad ACC for a minute, just in the coastal specifically, that's when you have a real problem. And you want to talk about beating North Carolina and getting back to being consistent there. Mm -hmm. um, Start taking some of their recruits. Like, recruiting Virginia is important recruiting North Carolina, a neighboring state, also pretty important. And Tech was doing a really good job of that in the first two years of Justin Fuente, and they really haven't had that success since then, other than, like, signing Jack Hollyfield in this class because he's the brother of Dax. Like, you don't, you don't really have much to show for it in neighboring states. So, you know, a, a couple guys from Tennessee, a few guys from North Carolina, but make sure you're getting the Virginia guys. I'm not talking about the five stars like Travion Henderson who just went to Ohio State. I'm talking, like, high threes and low to mid fours that – like Virginia Tech <laughs> yeah. that have grown up like rooting for Virginia Tech when they were good. Like, go get those guys. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah. That I mean that's that's the clear thing that has to be fixed with Virginia Tech's recruiting. Like that, Virginia, I mean, it's not it's not Texas, it's not Florida, like it's not the most talented state in the country, but it's I mean, it's probably borderline top ten. Like
0: yeah, there's it's top ten, I think.
1: There's good high school football played there. Like there's talent to be had, and that's what Virginia Tech of old was built on. Like, yeah, I, I don't really see another way that you can rely, you know, reliably, consistently build a Virginia Tech program without recruiting Virginia very well. So, agree, I agree. So there's that. Uh, number eleven in the ACC and forty seventh nationally, my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. You might be looking at that and saying, Jeff Collins thought you were a recruiter, thought you were yep. a promoter. What the hell's going on? Uh, This is where the numbers game comes into play. Georgia tech with only 16 signees in this class out of high school. They had eight transfers coming in from mostly from power five programs, which is good Right uh, from Texas and Alabama and Northwestern, Maryland, uh, Mississippi state, South Carolina, all that. And then, Oh, by the way, Keon white out of old dominion. And you're like, Oh, they're getting a defensive end out of old dominion. Yeah. Well he had like 16 sacks last year. So really good player. (laughs) Pass rushing monster. Um, Yeah. And then if you look at the average star rating, uh, I mean, they would be like sixth in the ACC from just an average quality standpoint. So I don't think cause for concern here. However, I also don't know that the recruiting uh, spoils, you know, the the recruiting improvement has been as drastic as maybe some were hoping it would be with this new staff and this new coaching staff. Um, and that's where the, the whole on-the-field product thing has to has to take a step forward and improve if you're going to be seeing those sorts of improvements.
0: Yeah, I forgot to mention this with Virginia Tech, but it ties into this Jeff Collins discussion too. So like with Florida State, we said, hey, Mike Norvell, don't recruit like you were at Memphis. Mm-hmm. Hey, Justin Fuente, don't recruit like you were at Memphis. Hey, Scott Satterfield, don't recruit like you were at App. Uh, Jeff Collins, don't recruit like you were at Temple. Right. Like Recruit for the job you're in. Don't, don't go based off a of success that you had when you were at these group of five schools, when you couldn't get anybody else, like you are recruiting. And and I think it's the case for really all of these guys. I just mentioned Bronco Mendenhall BYU is a little bit different. Cause they're a pretty good football program, but like, I think it's the case with a lot of these schools right now, except for Norvell, who I think exceeded expectations with his recruiting class, in my opinion, just having it be his first full year and what he inherited. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys were all good recruiters when they were at the group of five level. Um, that same standard, good at the Group of Five, is not good at the Power Five. At right, any of these schools I just mentioned, not at Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, certainly not at Florida State, not at Louisville. Like you've got to recruit better, recruit mm-hmm. for the job you're in. So that's like just advice I have for, for you know the, the handful of schools. Georgia Tech's not immune. Like you mentioned, like I think this is a good class. It's a fine class, right, to, to build off of. Mm-hmm. I think fan base, like you mentioned for Georgia Tech, was anticipating that. It would the results would come, I guess, a little bit quicker, both on the field and off. I know on the field, you got, you I know, revamping an offense and all that, but some like the head scratching like weird losses where, you know, you're hoping year two, you don't have any of those um, and certainly don't want any going now into year three. But I think from a recruiting standpoint. A lot of fans were expecting a bit more early on. I, I think you got to stay patient here for another year or two and kind of see where it goes. It's inexcusable for Virginia Tech. It's not inexcusable necessarily for Georgia Tech, given where they're at compared to, you know, Fuente going to year six versus Jeff Collins going to year three. Much different. And same with Satterfield at Louisville, by the way, going into year three. So, yeah, different yeah. stages.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, to have this whole COVID year going into year two, I mean, it, It disrupted all the offseason play, you know, the the practice and and preparation you're able to do. It disrupts the amount of, you know, visits like basically nobody's been able to take visits to campus in 10, 11 months. You know, so it's for for that particular time frame, you know, within a program's development, like it hits particularly hard. It sucks. But, you know, again, you need to see it on the field. I think this year is an opportunity to show a step forward and just making a bowl game like would go a long way I think with this kind of thing so it's that's really all it takes
0: yeah I I agree and we've talked about that too it's like that's the next step for Georgia Tech like win a bowl game or at least with that schedule like we talked about in the last podcast with the ACC schedule like get to even five wins and you can make an argument that's been a really successful year for Georgia Tech given their schedule next season so it's it's got to be incremental Joey the question I have for you now with these final three schools here Mm -hmm. We got Syracuse at 12, Duke at 13, and Wake at 14. Mm -hmm. And I'm going off script a little bit here, but I think we can kind of group the three of these together. But there's one school that stands out to me as kind of an aberration. They happen to be the 14th school here, Wake Forest. Yeah. Wake being at the bottom of the ACC for their recruiting class. Now, I don't expect Wake to be a power in recruiting, but to finish behind Syracuse and Duke, two schools that, first of all, Wake has just been consistently better than these two schools, right? Mm Mm-hmm sitting at the bottom of the ACC below Syracuse and Duke and significantly below, by the way, um, when you look at average recruiting ranking um, and overall recruiting ranking in the composite, a little bit alarming for Clawson. Now he gets the most out of his guys. He's always going to coach them up well. And there's a defined ceiling for recruiting at Wake Forest. I get that. Yeah. But seeing them at 14 was a bit of a surprise.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is the third time in the Clawson era that they've been dead last in the ACC. And it's the first time they've been dead last in the ACC since 2014, I believe. No, wait, no, 2017. Right. Um, Yeah. That's not a place that you get used to seeing them. And yeah, there is a a, a well-defined ceiling and it's not a high ceiling. Right now, Um, but they've typically been able to hang around like the 11 or 12 in the ACC, you know, they'll beat out Syracuse, they'll beat out Duke or whatever, you know, right. Um, so that's that's definitely a case where hopefully this is just a one year kind of aberration of sorts, but you know it, it also could be cause for concern. You know it's, yep. it's worth mentioning. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, just it's it's all three stars. It wasn't really a numbers problem as much. I mean, it, they signed twenty kids. Like that's yeah. that's usually around the cutoff of what counts for rankings. So it wasn't a shortage on numbers, but. Um, yeah, maybe maybe a little bit of a a little bit of a decrease in talent, but that's also I'll, I'll say this in, in his defense and in their defense. You know, we talk about the evaluation aspect being so thrown off this year. I yep. can completely see Wake Forest being the type of program that's signing the kind of kids that are going to get overlooked in the process. That they want. Yep. Yeah, and that they would mm-hmm. that they would really benefit from getting some of those camps in and that kind of thing. So I agree, you know. Historically, I mean as long as that program has been going under Dave Clawson – I think we got to start to trust his evaluation ability. I agree. Yep. So, you know, kind of goes both ways. But, yeah, I mean, it is a little surprising to see him where they are rated. And, um, you know, it's it's not particularly close. Like, they, they were more than one or two, you know, players away from, uh, from right. overtaking Syracuse and Duke. So, right, worth mentioning.
0: That was more of the bigger takeaway for me was the fact that they were as far below The rest of the conference, specifically even like thirteen and twelve, yeah, in the conference in that regard.
1: Well, and and yeah, they're they're behind Duke, who came up with eighteen signees, right? Right. Like, and so Duke did have a bit of a numbers issue, and and Wake was still substantially behind them, which is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, Duke did more with less with a program that's in that's in worse shape, in my opinion. Yep,
1: yep. Um, For what it's worth, Wake Forest sixty sixth nationally, Duke fifty eighth, Syracuse fifty seventh kind of bringing up the rear there in the ACC I, I don't know what the what the path to success here is for Syracuse um, you know we, we thought we had a, a a nice transition from Eric Dungy to Tommy DeVito and it seems like that has really not played out as Tommy DeVito has been victimized by opposing defenses thanks to questionable offensive line play <laughs> yep, but to say the least yeah to say the very least I, I don't know where Syracuse goes from here Um, 12th in the ACC and, and again, 57th nationally. I mean, it's – but then again, like, I I don't know who would do better. Like, it it might just be a thing where – not necessarily a full-on, like, run the triple option, but, like, just let's just accept at some point Syracuse is not going to be a a super talented team. Right. You know, you don't have – oh, who was – Dwight Freeney. You don't have Dwight Freeney. You don't have Donovan McNabb. Like, you don't have, like, these – ultra talented guys walking through those doors most of the time. And so you got to figure out another way to win.
0: It's got to be talent development, um, player development. That's what it's got to be. I mean, that's a player development program more than most because of where they're located and type of kids they can sign. Yep. So if you're not doing that, you're not going to be successful there, which is part of the reason why it's such a difficult job. Like take recruiting aside. It's just, you have to develop the players you get from that. And it makes it a really tough job because of where they're located and, just kind of how they have to accumulate and develop talent. It's a tough job. Um, a really tough job. Dino Babers, I think his best move is to get out of there. Because yeah. I want to know if this is because of Dino Babers or because of what he's limited by, which we've talked about a million times on this podcast.
1: Yep. Yeah. And and to avoid rehashing that old discussion that again that we've had a number of times, like uh, yeah, I, I can't think back to when the last time was that Syracuse was like consistently what I would call good. You know, like they consistently right. were winning seven, eight games, and it might have it might be all the way back in you know the Big East or something like that. Like, um, not to say necessarily that it, it's probably a, a very complex issue of a whole bunch of things not coming up Syracuse's way that is is kind yep. of resulted in, uh, you know, and where they are right now in the in the conference right. and in the college football world. Yep. Um, and then Duke, I think it's interesting too. I mean, 13th in the conference, second year in a row, they've been there. They they, they've fallen off in recruiting the last couple of years. I think that they're a little bit coming back to earth and by earth, I mean, you know what, what they've been historically because of, you know, Georgia tech's increased recruiting, uh, North Carolina's increased recruiting, like some of the kids that Duke could maybe sneak in and and steal from some of these programs. they've Not been able to even Tennessee in recent years, like, Tennessee has cleaned up their recruiting like Duke was able to really in the last several years was able to take advantage of some of those shortcomings from some of those programs and they're having a lot fewer of them on the recruiting trail these days yep and I think that's where Duke is is struggling a little bit more
0: I agree and I don't know how much that's really going to improve one because of the program itself too because David Cutcliffe I don't think is going to be there much longer yeah yeah I would be surprised if he was the coach beyond the next two or three years, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, it, it, you're getting to the point where it's, it's that obvious to everybody that he's about done there. And the longer you draw it out, probably the more harm you're doing and the, and the harder you're making any sort of rebuild that you're hoping to have. Um, right. So, I don't know. Duke in a pretty precarious spot, I think, as a program right now. So I agree. We'll. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about that. We've already talked plenty about it. We'll probably talk a lot more about it here in the in the coming weeks, months, maybe years. We'll see. Yep. Mike, that's all I got in recruiting. Anything else?
0: I think we're good. This has been thorough on the recruiting side.
1: Yeah. Shout out to Pittsburgh and shout out to NC State. Pretty decent recruiting classes. And Virginia. We give You know, yes. I think three teams that kind of overachieved in a, in a way in the in conference. So uh, yep. good on them. Mike, what's your ringtone?
0: <laughs> I I don't have a ringtone. I have like a standard, standard Verizon ringtone
1: uh just like a basic telephone kind of situation yeah i got gotcha. you yeah yeah mine is uh kings and queens by 30 seconds to mars so mm-hmm. that, that like immediate drum hit at the beginning yep pretty sweet um and the reason i ask you that is we got a question in from keith derrick asking <laughs> are you a true college football fan if you don't have a ringtone or fight song of your chosen school on your phone which made me feel bad because i don't but apparently he does and he found it on uh, on apple music
0: I'm curious if I could find one for my school, Virginia Tech, on Apple Music.
1: Yeah, and that's that's what we uh, responded to him with was like, hey, like, yeah, you know, there's obviously it's, he's a Georgia Tech fan. Like he, he was sent a screenshot of all the different you know Tech songs, not not just fight songs, but even some of the right. you know mid mid game stuff the band plays or whatever. Right. And I I'm curious to know if there's other uh, schools on there. So if you if you're somewhere listening and you've got you know your school's fight song. As your ringtone on your phone, want to want to see it, want to hear about it. I'm curious. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Let us know. Yeah, um, we had a question as well from Lee Nobody that we've referenced a couple times. We we keep struggling to get to, so I want to get to it real quick. We we basically have an answer at this point, but I think it's worth a little bit of a discussion. What are the chances the ACC stays divisionless in 2021? As every t- team stands to benefit from a divisionless format that prioritizes rivals, what are the chances the ACC stays divisionless? Um, in 2021, we've already gotten the schedule, Mike. And so we know at this point they're not going to stay that way. Right. But I do think that this past season probably gave the conference something to think on and consider as we look forward to, you know, the next few years, certainly with getting a new conference commissioner. I think that's, that's gotta be on the table, right?
0: I would think so. Now we got the, we got the email from Lee. I believe it was prior to, um, the schedule coming out. So we hadn't gotten to the question yet on the podcast, uh, So, fair question at the time. Obviously, you're going back to divisions. It was trending that way anyway. I think the the more interesting topic is, does it stay that way? I think the answer is yes, it does stay that way. Now, what I think will happen potentially down the line is there will be changes to the conference schedule. Um, I personally think that having a permanent crossover game harms certain teams in the conference, like Georgia Tech, having to play Clemson every year. Mm -hmm. Having to play Georgia every year out of conference, you have two losses before you even kick off and then some years you get Notre Dame and some years you get Notre Dame and then that's three like next year for example and that's three losses so it's really tough to recruit to that where you know you're going to be up against it to even make a bowl game with three losses two to three losses a year already on the schedule before you even kick the ball off to start the year so uh, you know people are gonna say okay Georgia Tech just acquire more talent I mean yeah but yes just get good well I mean Clemson's elite how long do they I mean Jesus. Anyway, uh, so it's tough. I I think they'll do away with the permanent crossover. Hopefully like that would be something I would like to see. And then maybe go to a 10 game conference schedule. I think that'd be awesome. You see more conference games. You're able to glean a bit more um, about these teams. You don't necessarily see the same four or five teams every year. You know, you'll see some, some from the other side of the conference, other division, which is nice and adds for more dynamic matchups as other schools continue to improve. So I think that's that's the change that will be made. As far as I'm aware, you know, I, I don't think the divisions are going to go away anytime soon, but I think that would be a needed improvement that I think would help enhance the conference a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. And, and Lee is the one that, that sent in here maybe a month or more ago um, a, a couple of different Reddit posts that he had put together where he was outlining the potential for um, a, a divisionless schedule in a 14-team, 15-team, or a 16-team ACC um, and I, I lied on a previous podcast saying we were going to tweet those links out. We never did. That was my, that's on me. I, that's my fault. Uh, we will tweet them out here. They're really great to look at. Um, some really cool options that you could put together that, yeah, you get some more rotation. You get road trips to all the different stadiums. I mean, you, you can do a lot more and make it a lot more fair. And right. Are there going to be years where Georgia Tech has to play Clemson and Notre Dame and Georgia? Sure. But it's just it's not that that's not going to be every year. Like it's not going to be every year. There's some yeah. years you don't play Clemson. <laughs> there's some years you don't play Notre Dame. Like that's yeah. fine. It's so you know you can kind of deal with that. But um, but yeah, there, there's some really great proposals. A lot of really interesting things I think to consider. And you know we could sit here and talk about like in college football. Well, there's these contracts with TV networks and and other you know out of conference games you've already got scheduled 25 years in advance and whatever. Like yep. There's nothing that says they can't do this, like other than just themselves. Like the ACC is the one that's kind of dictated this that we want to have this division structure. You can do that tomorrow if you wanted to. Like there's nothing in the contract saying that Georgia Tech has to play Pittsburgh every year. Like right, right. So there's nothing holding them back other than just I don't know inertia and and whatever. So maybe with Jim Phillips, we'll uh, we'll see a little bit of a difference here in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and I think that it needs to be one of the several things that uh, he's going to have to look at um, as he kind of steps into his new role. So. Yeah.
1: Yep. Mike, last mailbag question that we had uh, also came from Keith Derrick. And I think we just want to put a pin in this because I think we could probably parlay this into like almost a full episode here in the next month or two sure. of basically his question is, you know, where do you see the ACC in five years? That would be the 2025, 2026 season. Is Clemson oh, yeah. still the big bully on top? You know, has UNC gotten themselves torpedoed with recruiting violations? Uh, is Has FSU finally gotten it together? Has, you know, is Georgia Tech still with Jeff Collins or have they moved on? Is Virginia Tech still with Fuente or have they moved on? You know, right. what is Duke, Syracuse? Like, are they still in the same place or, or what? You know, so there is a lot to digest there. And I, And I apologize, Keith. You sent this like hours before the national title game started. So it's been almost a month now. Um, but that is a good a good discussion. I think we should have probably over a full episode, Mike.
0: Yeah, so we'll make that into a full episode. It's a great question, Keith. Uh, the one thing I will say, just to kind of give a give a broad answer, of what you can look forward to as far as my response when we sit down and talk about it in detail, uh, Clemson will still be Clemson. Dabo's not going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So Clemson will be Clemson. I think the schools, in my opinion, there are a handful that I think that I believe will be the most likely challengers to Clemson as we sit here right now, Miami, Florida state, and potentially North Carolina, depending on how long Mac Brown stays there. Those are my three.
1: Yeah. And that was where my mind went was, will Mac Brown still be at North Carolina in five years?
0: Right. So that's a big if, and I don't know who they would hire to replace him. Um, but having him there is real meaningful who they hire next is more important because it will determine whether or not, I mean, you're following a legend, yeah. right? Yeah. And a guy who's been at North Carolina twice, it means a lot to the school. You need to make sure you nail that hire. Some schools have after a legendary coach leaves and some schools haven't. It's a really important hire, the next one. So that will determine where North Carolina is five years from now, yep. 10 years yep. from now, but yep. they're going to be really good in the near term.
1: The thing that sticks out to me that I'm I'm curious to know if there's been any discussions behind the scenes already, um, but maybe the most important person on that North Carolina staff is Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator, right? And like he's good, and he's the reason that that offense has been as dynamic as it is. Obviously, him plus you know the combo with Sam Howell and some of those skill guys, obviously. But they took a huge step forward in year one on offense, and he's a guy that I could very easily see getting poached by. I don't know, Clemson or Alabama, or take your pick on a big money program that can just money whip anybody into anything. And so to me, there could be discussions that go on saying, Hey, Phil, when Mac retires here in three years, you know, you're the coach in waiting, you know, you're, you're going to take over the ship kind of thing. So I think that's one thing to consider with North Carolina and where they could go here in the next several years. So something to keep an eye on.
0: I think the two internal candidates to look at are definitely Phil Longo. He's one. I think 1A is Dre Bly because of how he's recruited and yeah. what he's yeah. meant to defensive coaching staff and his stature as a former player at North Carolina. So,
1: Yep, yep. Definitely should be on the table as well. Um, Mike, that's all I got in terms of mailbag questions. Appreciate Keith and, and uh, Lee sending those in. Um, as always, you know, through the offseason here, we're going to need some more content. So if you guys got questions, comments, something that you want us to talk about, vamp on, whatever, um, hit us up. Send it all to the longest email address, no demand basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com.
0: Nailed it. Thanks. Nice nice transition into the uh, close.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I figured we'd just sort of uh, smoothly slide in there. Yeah, Mike, we are going to get out of here. This has been fun. We're going to get out of here and go talk to Stephen Muma here soon. So come back for some NC State talk and more in your feed. Uh, as, as mentioned, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FJs Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel VT together. We're at BC podcast, ACC, and also at BC podcast, ACC on Instagram. So check us out there. Yep. Uh, we're on iTunes, Google podcast, Spotify, all those good places. And Mike, you want to tell me where else they can find us on the social medias,
0: Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review, find all of your podcasts there. And then also check out homefieldapparel.com. Use go ACC to check out for 20% off your first order.
1: Please do, please do. Great people, great product. Wearing my sat- football Saturdays shirt right now. It is super comfy. So go check them out. Yep, Mike. That's all I got. Anything else before we get out of here?
0: I think we're good. Let's go talk to Stephen Muma.
1: Let's do it. We'll talk to you again soon. For Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, go ACC. Another